Hello everybody, beautiful Monday morning, still waking up, but that's alright, we'll get there. Damon, how are you going? What's your status? I'm all good, I'm uh, just chilling, just cool. enjoying um, being back in the Oh yes, the Bat Cave. Yeah, yeah, you're back, back in your back usual cave. recording spot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your little incel borrow. <laughs> That's tormenting, eh? But no, it's good. It shelters oh. me from the world, and hmm. happy to be here. That's good. That jazz. Yeah. I, I'm uh, like in my bedroom with the door and windows closed and the AC on because it's like a million degrees in Brisbane at the moment. Um, so that's good. So anyway, everybody, you're listening to another episode of Modern Guilt. This is episode 26, I think. We've passed a quarter century um, in cricket terms. That's relative success. Um, not that yeah. either of us give a fuck about cricket. I don't know why I made that reference, but I did, and I can't take it back. Or I could. I could edit it out, but I probably won't. Um, Anyway, we thought it would be worth kicking off by mentioning the fact that we are now um, offering our services, I guess, on Patreon. Um, for those of you who, for some reason, like the podcast, you, you, can, <laughs> you can pay us five US dollars per month um, for a bonus episode, which will come out on the last week of every month. Um, and that might increase to more than one bonus episode per month, depending on how we feel. Um, so be good stuff. It will navigate the world. Yeah. Uh, and think of it as we're imparting our wisdom, mm-hmm. our collective street smarts that have been cultivated and honed over twenty uh, <laughs> odd years of um, you know. Yeah, trial and error. Getting into trouble and doing things that you know uh, you don't have to do. Exactly. Subscribe. So figuring out uh what this month's sort of topic or theme for the bonus pod is and we've had a couple of subscribers sign up already so if one of them is you then please feel free to suggest something that you want to hear us talk about and then you know because you're you're paying us now you should have some sort of say over it um i guess in a way we're like audio prostitutes our body is yours yeah. to use. Um, you just decide how you want to use it. And yeah. <laughs> or our, yeah. our voice boxes are yours for the hour. <laughs> Get that um, nice boyfriend experience. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> or if you're some sort of like a masochistic, twisted cunt, then you could have the opposite of a nice boyfriend experience. It could be like a DV experience. We could be in your living room just verbally <laughs> assaulting you. <laughs> where you fucking jerk off put us on surround sound 5.1 yeah we can be around you on all... boyfriend experience <laughs> <laughs> yeah the abusive boyfriend experience <laughs> with modern guilt um, yeah yeah um and you can you can call us daddy and we won't hear you so it's fine uh we'll That'd leave we could leave blank spaces in the podcast for you to respond to us even so it feels like you're trying to uh ward off an abusive boyfriend and then whatever you say our response remains the same because it's pre-recorded but from your perspective it just seems like we're some sort of psychopaths who are 
who only only view the scenario in one way and no matter what you do the the consequences will remain well if you're really twisted um you could also do this as a vr experience where you strap your blindfold on and put on your headphones noise canceling ideally and uh we'll just harass you you know in a dark room that'd be pretty <laughs> dark cool room. yeah that, that'd be all right um we could introduce the, a soundboard effect of water dripping so it's like you're in like the basement of a building and there's like a bust pipe that's just dripping dirty water onto the cold concrete while we while we uh speak cruelties to you can we make torture asmr i just thought that that's such a fucking good idea <laughs> i mean is it a good idea uh to oh, answer your question dude, we can but should we no that. probably not like, oh probably definitely not. Well, i'm yeah i mean the problem is i think the torture asmr market is probably already oversaturated <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure there's a huge demand for it which has already been met and exceeded that's so sad uh, <laughs> oh like, it's absolutely sad absolutely a thing yeah, yeah right. um yeah. I was actually talking or I was messaging a friend earlier this morning um, and I was just saying to him that I hope there is some quantum computer somewhere in outer space which is just like scraping and analyzing every web page and piece of data that like humanity has put onto the internet in order to try and like summarize our species and like for for an alien computer to come across some like torture asmr and then try and deduct logic from that would be uh pretty nice for that mm. species i suppose well in a way it exists and it's like martin shkreli and he's just <laughs> deep diving on all that shit because his like <laughs> mapping of the world economy is um sort of like and he hasn't said this i'm just extrapolating it but you know in one of the last pieces that we talked about where he talked about you know like our economy is a function of our desires and our wants and so when you look at what we're spending on the most it's sort of like you know representative of the human mind where it's like largely healthcare because of our collective health anxiety uh and then a significant other part of it is just fucking distraction and like barely entertainment you know like background noise like facebook twitter yeah um snapchat stuff like that which serves as some sort of like low-grade distractive entertainment media and then the rest of it's just fucking everything else yeah pornhub pornhub's parent company is going public soon so wow that will also provide that. yeah big time uh that'll also provide a really interesting snapshot Someone needs to do this, like, fucking brain image, and then within each section we can see, like, how much economic spending is, like, taking up the brain, you know? Yeah, that's actually a good point. Like, those old school... Is it phrenology? Is that the, the name of that field of, like, pseudoscience that existed in, like, the late 1800s where people were like, yeah, this... this section of the brain is dedicated to, like, sexuality. This is dedicated to logic or whatever. I thought it was um, measuring skulls, but um, I also am... <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it bad. was, man. I don't, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Uh, and that's what <laughs> makes this podcast great. Um, but in, in, in all seriousness, we should quickly revert back to what we were trying okay. to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so this has been yeah, a roundabout way to basically plug the Patreon. So um, if you want to send us some dough, then you will have like legitimate um, influence over what we talk about for the bonus pod. Uh, Provided we think your idea is actually good. Otherwise, we'll, we won't take it on board. Um, so, yeah, please head to... Fuck, what's the URL for the, for Patreon? Let me... 
quick and quickly bring it up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So www.patreon.com uh, forward slash modern guilt forward slash posts, even though that second forward slash probably shouldn't be there. But so yes, go to Patreon, give us US dollars and um, we'll put that into this little meme stock fund that we're going to start up. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, Damon and I enjoy gambling and um, yeah. we're going to make a little fund uh, shared between us that we're basically going to use to invest in like bullshit stocks that have yeah. the, a 5% chance of offering us astronomical return and a Whoa. 95% chance of nothing. I'd like to add a little disclaimer here that um, both of us are... Uh, we're retail investors. We're like, you know, mom, dad investors. Yeah, I'm the mom, Damon's the, the dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> disclaimer to the disclaimer. Um, we're fucking beating Warren Buffett, bitch. Yeah, honestly, fuck that guy. Uh, you know, his fucking negative 20% returns. Bro, I fist your fucking that. Fuck that shit, man. It did, like, is Warren Buffett currently losing I'm money? I'm up 70. Huh? Is yeah, Warren dude. Yeah, wow. well, I'm pretty sure he's had a terrible run this year. Yeah. Huh. But that's because he doesn't understand the intricacies of like hype trains and meme stocks <laughs> quite as um, as deeply as both of us, which is largely a, you know, yeah. understanding of um, the clusterfuck that we live in. <laughs> That'll hold until my portfolio goes to fucking zero. But hmm. uh, also, a special guest coming on next week. I don't know if we want to talk too much about it, but like basically, uh, we're going to have a deep dive on. What I think is one of the most interesting stories of the year, abuses of power and, um, you know, like uh, the great financial machine working to try and keep down the underdog. Who's, Absolutely. Uh, having a great comeback story. Uh-huh. So... Or not, so we'll see. To, to elaborate a little bit, um, one particular company at the moment uh, has found itself in the position of a sort of catalyst for a bit of like a financial Robin Hood story um, where a bunch of like scrappy, stupid retail investors are trying to um, outplay uh, the hedge funds, which are trying to artificially sort of um, deflate the stock price of this particular company um, against very stubborn opposition. So mm. next week we're having a guest called Rod Alsman or Alsman, I'm actually, I should actually clarify with him before we have him on how to pronounce yeah. his surname, um, who a appears to be the sort of, um, I guess, the leading analyst um, with yeah. regards to this situation. Uh, so we're going to be talking to him for like an hour and a half and hopefully just having some beers and talking about how the little guy can uh, get one up over the, the big funds uh, yeah. once. So that'll be nice looking forward to that uh -huh. um, he seems like a super interesting and like super smart dude so uh he'll yeah. be joining us from the states which is lovely that'll be our first american guest actually oh cool yeah well you know they've had a hard run this year so it's uh i think i'm, I'm pretty happy to give them a little bit of air time <laughs> yeah it's the least we can do <laughs> <laughs> throw the united states a scrap from the uh the buffet that is modern guilt yeah lend them our audience um, <laughs> yeah. uh, much as we lent Amy McMahon our audience and got her elected. Uh, yeah, well, it worked really well for her. You know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. She um she will never regret coming on the show. Um, mm. 
the Greens have not yet uh, sent us an email thanking us, but I'm sure that's okay. it, I'm sure it's just uh, taken them a while to figure out how to um, adequately express their gratitude. <laughs> Yeah, well, their their victory is the only thanks I need. You know, I'm happy being the uh, mm. um, being one part of the untold uh, victory victory story there. So uh, that's good for them. That's really uh, humble of you, man. I'm I'm yeah, I'm proud of you. <laughs> just a just another keyboard warrior doing his part. Yeah, in his little little incel cave. And uh, <laughs> and that's what we stand for at Modern yeah. Guilt. Um, so. Do you want to talk about um, talk about Tony? Yeah, um, yeah, I do. Uh, so you know, I was looking into news to uh, to run into this, and like happily noticing that we're kind of like dying down in terms of the news cycle for the year. It's become really boring, actually. Like I've found since Biden's largely been declared the victor, um, there's less sort of psychotic anger. Or at least maybe I'm just going online a lot less. I don't know. I saw Rudy Giuliani got coronavirus just before, but that makes it know. makes me angry that people somehow think that's fucking news. Yeah. Who fucking you know, cares? At this it's point, not, it's like literally who. Everybody has COVID. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. And it's also yeah, yeah. this this weird sort of like almost fetishistic shaming of people who get it now, like people yeah. who are like on the right or like don't align with like. I don't know the left's narratives like when they get COVID, the left is like, ha, fuck you, you got COVID. Like, put it all yeah. on the news, make sure the whole world knows this person who we think is a fucking meanie got COVID. Yeah, I, it's really yeah, weird. I don't like that vitriol. Like, yeah, it just seems weird and uncomfortable. But um, I've been noticing less of it lately. So you know, I don't know if that's just a function of the um, the grand algorithm delivering me less information. Hmm. Or my particular social circle and Twitter feed and various other socials, like, uh, delivering, like, everyone's kind of moved on from from everything, which is an interesting uh, turn of events. I well, kind of like it. I actually, I have some uh, possible sort of, like, confirmation bias at play here, but I actually think one of my theories that I brought up in a previous episode is being somewhat validated in the news at the moment, and that's the sort of the idea of the woke victory lap post-Trump. And 50% of the news right now is just like, Trump is losing. Trump's challenge in uh, Georgia has been overturned, or like Pennsylvania high court judges have said X, Y, and Z. And it's like, we all know that like Trump's challenges was probably never gonna fucking amount to anything like it's not yeah. really news it's like their, their news is a lack of news um but they need to um collectively give themselves a big pat on the back and um make everybody feel validated i think yep no i think you're right but mm. i also think it makes such shit news that it's i'm trash. much less of it and yeah. i don't think anybody cares like this is like like the drop off of interest is so fast yeah you're absolutely now, right whenever i'm even on fucking like you know i try and avoid reddit but you know whenever i'm even on that it's just even that seems to be way less than it was mm. you know like there's not this like vitriolic anger so, so everyone's you know, shutting the fuck up which is good i'm yeah. uh, maybe just maybe I might be being too optimistic here, but how fucking great would it be if for the first half of 2021 we had good news and it was like, vaccines are working, 
the pandemic seems to be being curbed, travel's opening back up again, there's a more international cooperation between states at the moment, etc. And like we, for once, we didn't have to find some like straw man or some sort of fucking conflict to overblow in the media. And we could actually all just chill out and read some good news. It will, man. Mm. And, well, and, good news and, doesn't sell though. That's the problem, right? Well, if there's one bit of news, good news that's going to sell like a motherfucker come March. Um, but you know, more on that next week. Uh, but you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to a. Uh, I, I think it's turning around. Like, frankly, mm. you know, there's still going to be some pretty fucked up shit. Like, we have a big deleveraging coming um, because this is slowly becoming just an economics podcast. Uh, you know, we're we're basically there's still like a lot of fucking issues to sort out. But I mean. Yeah, travel, vaccines, fucking, mm. you know, actually being able, able to move around is going to be nice. I watched, um, rewatched for like a kind of like a Thanksgiving thing, um, this movie that me and my sister used to love as a kid called Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which is this like tacky old Steve Martin fucking, I think it's Steve Martin. It's a good, it's either Steve Martin or the guy that looks like Steve Martin. I'm going to look it up real quick. Um, and. It's essentially like, yeah, Steve Martin. Um, it's essentially a, a movie about like this guy that gets stuck on a train with this dude who's kind of obnoxious and has to like make it back home in time for Thanksgiving. Yeah, right. Um, and it's about like the virtue of Thanksgiving and how, you know, it's like this important American holiday and like at all costs, he has to get back to his family. Um, and man, seeing him like in the opening parts of the movie just struggling to try and get on a plane and then dealing with airplane nonsense that you normally have to deal with um that is like totally dramatized or maybe not so in the states because it is a fucking nightmare to like fly around there but everybody's had like airplane drama mm-hmm. um i fucking had this like spontaneous uh like like soy boy smile just crack open on my face the moment I saw that he had like problems flying, like it was so uncontrollable, man. Cause I was just like, yeah, <laughs> like just remembering what it was like to fly and be stuck next to someone that sucked and like be like, you know, treated like uh, human cattle by the airlines and how weirdly uh, nostalgic it makes you feel. Cause it's just been so long. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Hmm. Do you have any, um, um, have you ever had any like truly horrific nightmarish flying experiences? Yeah, fuck yeah. I've, I've like, I was flying into New York from Toronto mm. um, and it was like a big snowstorm. Oh shit. The flight from like Toronto to New York, I think is meant to be an hour and a half, but it took three hours to get in there. And so we like flew to New York and we were just flying in circles around the airport. Oh, over and over that's and over horrific, again. man. Um, and every time the pilot would come on, he was like, uh, uh, hello, folks, uh, we're going to be a little delayed getting into New York today. Um, they're closing the airport and we might be able to just sneak in as the last plane. But, you know, conditions are pretty rough and uh, we'll keep you posted. And then, like, the plane would do these sudden drops, man, where it would basically, like, it felt like a hundred meters. It might yeah. have been more than oh, that. I'm sure it was more than a hundred meters. Elevation, dude. Yeah. yeah, and my heart would like be in my mouth, you know, and it would just go, and everybody would be like, <laughs> "Oh God, oh no, oh jeez, oh God," and just like fucking plummet. And then the worst part was this plane circling below us, dude. So I was looking out the window, 
and like had this full blown fucking like horrifying moment of seeing another plane below us just think and it wasn't it didn't look that far away and you know the pilot would come on and be like oh folks you know there's a plane circling below us just please be advised that uh you know it's not much of an issue for us but like always saying it in a way that he wasn't like a hundred percent sure like it, it wasn't yeah like, yeah i get sure. you yeah. yeah it was a fucking nightmare we got in eventually but like i was like strapped to the fucking seat like white knuckle grip um freaking out just kind of like repeating something over to myself i can't remember what it was like i think like you're safe you're safe you're safe <laughs> so yeah that sucked but uh, aside from that um you know i had methanol poisoning before i took a flight back from bali which sucked ass but that does sound inflicted yeah as opposed to like a fucking horrific, horrific dude <laughs> yeah, yeah oh that's that truly sucks yeah man what about you um i don't know if you could describe it as nightmarish um i had a pretty like i don't know partly self-inflicted crappy journey back from europe to australia once um i like in, i chose flights with like a super long layover just so i could like save money and i was flying with like uh southern china air or china southern whatever whichever it's called and um i had spent like my last few dollars that i had to my name like buying a sandwich at like in paris before i left and then hopped on the plane and just um basically got cornered uh how do i explain it so I had the aisle seat initially, right? And mm. the uh, the two women in front of me were these two Australians and we had like met in the airport terminal and they were like, oh, you're going to Australia too. Like it's fucking, <laughs> wow, we're on the same flight. And they were just getting hammered like in the waiting lounge. And I was like, oh yeah, like, well, this is completely uninteresting and like I don't ever want to talk to these people again. And then yeah. hopped on the plane and they're like in the fucking row right in front of me and they're just like standing up drinking and like dancing with like playing music on their phone like on this flight um and um God's then people. I'm, oh, pretty much um i'm sitting in the aisle seat and then this like this dude the size of the fucking rock like J- dwayne johnson comes over and he's like oh hey mate like i'm just on the window and i'm like oh i don't know why i did this i was just trying to be fucking nice and i regret it but i was like oh man like you're fucking huge like why don't you take the aisle seat and i'll like take the window seat and he's like oh yeah. you sure bro i'm like yeah man like you look like you need this huge. you need more space like than jacked I do. or was he fat? yeah no he was like fucking ripped like oh, okay. like hyper muscular yeah. like 130 kilos of just muscle and yeah so anyway i ended up like squished between this guy and like the window while these two like shrieking harpies were in the row in front of me <laughs> um and yeah. just like kept ordering red wine and just wouldn't sit down and so that was like a 14 hour flight or something and then we arrive or we're coming into land and they're like oh so uh the runway is full so we can't land and we're also running low on fuel so we have to make a diversion to like another city um and just like any one of the 58 massive uh, international airports in like Southeast China, like they're all just basically anonymous because there, you know, yeah. there's so many <laughs> massive cities that like, how would you even know yeah. which one you were at? Um, and then, so we did the same sort of thing, circled for a while and then got diverted once they figured out a place to land. And then it was like um, summer in 
like Southeast China and we landed on the runway and like the plane like turned itself off or whatever. So there was like no aircon. We're just sitting on this sweltering runway for like an hour while they like refuel the plane and everyone's like sweaty and dirty and just miserable and tired. And the whole time I'm just like squished into this tiny space and wanted to kill myself. And then we refueled, then had to fucking fly back to our original destination. And then I had to endure like a 17 hour layover or something where I just like laid on the floor of the airport, just like <laughs> wanting to die because I had no money and just was dirty and felt horrible. And yeah, anyway. Yeah, I mean, but hey, people have had much worse experiences. Uh, mine wasn't scary. Yours was, so. Yeah, that, yeah. It's, well, I mean, the other one where I was, like, poisoned was fucking horrible. But, like, mm. no, I'm the dickhead in that situation. So, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> so, Tony. Planes are coming back. So, yeah, planes <laughs> are coming back in 2021, and Tony died. Um, Tony, I, ah, oh, god damn it. I'm to pronounce his last name. Um, Hish? I gotta look, try and get a Google. Fuck it, I oh, I can't pronounce his last name. Tony Hish, I think. H S I E. Um, yeah. Someone else can. <laughs> Tony. Tony died. Tony hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me do. Um, right. Let me just bring up a video, and I'll, hopefully they'll say his name, and then I'll yeah. tell you how it's pronounced. All right. So tech support and just editing this in in post former zappos ceo tony shay we have figured out how to pronounce his name so r.i.p this story caught me so you know news cycle has been slowing down um and basically i saw this one was posted on twitter and it was sort of like an interesting tale of like tech rot and uh just like bizarre idealism mixed in with you know like um rock star degeneracy which is always like a interesting combo uh you know it's one of those like weird areas where you either get on the extreme end some sort of like manson type figures or on the more mellow end you get sort of you know like the um one of the earlier podcasts we did on that cult that sort of went around the world uh in a boat yeah, um, that was check it out. It's earlier in our catalog. <laughs> I, I think that's actually one of the one of the greatest little pieces you've shared on the podcast. I fucking love that. Oh, I just dope. can't. I just okay. can't remember for the life of yeah. me which episode it's from. I was um, turned into a clip at some point, but whatever. Um, so Tony was a multi, multi, multi millionaire by about twenty four. It's one of those like crazy tech stories where this guy is like, you know. He, uh went to harvard did computer science came up with something that nowadays sounds like you know the millionth iteration of everyone who's um you know some like uh honor kids startup idea it was like internet ads or something uh but he did this like back in the 90s where he essentially sold this company for 250 million dollars to microsoft at about age 24 um so that's pretty dope imagine being 24 with that much money you know that'd be insane your, it would be fucking would unreal be, man oh yeah your ego would be fucked 265 million dollars is what he sold it for it was one of the first major digital advertising networks and it was wow. called link exchange um so post link exchange 
Tony's uh, one had a really addictive personality um, and got into investing, um, you know, or venture capital. So essentially like people coming up to him and giving him ideas and he would just like throw money at them and see if where, where it turned out. Um, but he was also like quite like an idealist and sort of like your modern day, uh, you know, tech guy where it's all sort of like, oh, we could live in the future and we're going to have like, he had his venture capital fund um, headquarters was an old car dealership that he had turned into a startup incubator that had like a hot tub and a DJ ready sound system. Whoa. Um, yeah. So it's like very what an much interesting that, dude. Like, yeah. Well, you know, back in the nineties um, where like young, basically like idealistic tech guys are making tons of money. That was sort of like the start of those like futurist offices like Google has now where they, yeah, you know, yeah. there's a bed and, and, you know, a chef and all this other shit as opposed to like the drab fucking nineties crap where it's like a cubicle and your shitty fucking windows XP, um, windows 95 or whatever. Well, I don't care. Um, anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> so one of the, um, major companies that Tony invested in that ended up taking off was called Zappos, uh, which was basically a site where you could buy shoes online. And it was revolutionary at the time because it was like the nineties and, you know, the idea of anybody buying shoes that you can't see the, uh, shoe size was just sort of like wild and crazy. Um, which is funny. Like when you think about it now, it's like every man and his dog has a fucking like, you know, e-commerce site for shoes or clothes or some shit. Mm. So anyway, Zappos took off and ended up becoming like a multi-billion dollar company where it was then acquired by Amazon um, for stock. So essentially, instead of paying them out money, they just got like $1.2 billion worth of fucking stock. Um, oh my gosh, can you imagine that? <laughs> I know, right? So since like 2008 or 2009, um, oh, sorry, it's 2009 when uh, Bezos bought it for $1.2 in stock. It's just gone way up since then. So, mm. you know, you can understand why, uh, why Tony's so goddamn rich. Um, so, like, during this period, uh, after he sold the company, Tony essentially became sort of doubled down on his idealism and started experimenting with, like, radical philosophies within Zappos. Um, so he tried to, like, completely eliminate managers and have like an anarchistic company where nobody reported to anyone um and everybody just kind of like worked and did their own thing which apparently didn't work out unfortunately because that sounds like a pretty interesting idea but also like total chaos mm, yeah um, i mean great idea and like not surprising that it failed yeah it's some of the stuff you know you read about and, and like i've i kind of like hate a lot of silicon valley idealism because it's just so obnoxious and, and wanky but some of this other stuff i'm like this is cool man i'm really happy someone out there is like experimenting and trying this sort of stuff and having the um the like you know chutzpah to uh really take a take a shot on it mm -hmm. as opposed to just like let's have another drab fucking 90s cubicles or open plan office or whatever so um this old tones like love to have fun as well and good on him uh, he, as far as I understand it, tried to move to Las Vegas and surround himself with a bunch of people that were all focused on having tons of fun. And he made his own like signature drink, um, which was just like tons of Fernet. <laughs> Have you ever drunk Fernet? No. What is it? 
Oh, dude. Um, it's this like brutal liqueur. It's it's really minty and, but but in like an aniseed way, like you know that aniseed. Uh, you know, like Jägermeister. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, don't like that like, shit, man. It's like a more distilled version of Jägermeister, so you, right. you would hate it. Where it's yeah. like even more licoricey and more like you know, it really opens the chest up though. But anybody who drinks from that, you have to be like a fucking sicko. Like it, that shit's like blackout material. Yeah, true. You know? Yeah. So he was creating this like big. Uh, I, I think it was like a business park or something. It was like a downtown project in Las Vegas um, that he wanted to turn into a like new style of city. And that's just like how much money these guys have that they effectively can just be like, all right, I'm going to buy this, you know, um, parking lot and turn it into a total utopian yuppie park. Um, so he kicked that off, uh, you know, and it was essentially meant to be this, utopian wonderland but ended up carrying this horrendous side of like just non-stop partying and high suicides um so like across the span of 18 months three of the founders that of startups that were trying to like work within this downtown project this parking lot that was also sort of like you know like getting turned into a startup hub committed suicide um and when tony was like asked about it like what's going on here he was like well the rate of suicide is not higher than vegas in general <laughs> which was uh, his response which is yeah. like typical kind of like like socially inept um <laughs> tech bro fucking answer you know um but he was also like super obsessive about solving happiness as a problem and wanted to treat it as like an algorithm to sort of solve and and uh you know tease out mm yeah right that's yeah very interesting <laughs> yeah so you're getting getting this idea of like well i hope you know you're getting an idea of like who this guy really is is mm. like like really idealistic obviously has get up and go um you know a key trait of all well to do <laughs> and tons of fucking money and super idealistic so he's also well known for going to um like Burning Man and partying hard and like had a weird, like would speak alongside Bill Clinton and was also well known for taking like tons of recreational drugs. Um, you know, good on him. But uh, fast forward to 2020, like shit starts hitting the fan. So like Tony was trying to surround himself with tons of people all the time who had this sort of like same mentality as him. But um, as soon as coronavirus hit like that, sort of threw a spanner in the work for him. Um, and he started becoming more of an ex uh, recluse and doing those like, doing like a digital detox where, you know, he wouldn't talk to anyone whatsoever. Um, and tried to, to like start doing cold baths or running in the snow and uh, got obsessed with biohacking, like trying to fucking go without sleep. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> you know, right? So... So, um, he also apparently was obsessed with whippets and he would do hikes where he would just like huff fucking whippets for the entire hike. Actually, I don't know how you can do that, man. For Hang anyone on. that's done whippets. What is a whippet? Yeah. Like NOS, like those little oh, cans of right, NOS. Oh, right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're used for whipped creams. You're like, they're called whippets. They call them nangs over in... Yeah, yeah, no, they are. They are infamous nang. Yeah, every 
everybody likes a good nag, but you don't want to go over with it, you know, overboard. Like it's it's not something you'd take hiking, or at least no. I yeah, yeah. Well, that's Save yeah. it for special occasions. Um, what a fascinating yeah. dude. I know, right? So yeah, so there, there's a anecdote where during one hike, um, Tony walked barefoot while inhaling nitrous oxide for the entire hike. Um, you know, and then yeah, I don't know. So he was like pretty fucking deep into biohacking recreational drug use and surrounding himself with people that like thought he was the man um, just like pushing the pushing boundaries in general by the sounds of it yeah well and that's pretty widely reported so this is this is personally why i found this story super interesting is like microdosing and the uberman sleep schedule where you sleep every like half hour you sleep half an hour every five hours to try and you know cut down the amount that you sleep that sort of shit is rampant on tech forums and, you know, within like a lot of the tech scene, people love to microdose to fucking up their productivity. Like I could code for 14 hours straight if I take small amounts of LSD. Um, and this is sort of like an extreme of that, obviously. Mm. So uh, Tony stopped being Zappos CEO around August. Amazon says that he retired and there's sort of, you know, suspicion that he was pushed out because he was going so fucking mental um you know that he had sort of crossed from being in another eccentric tech bro to just being totally fucking mad yeah right. um so he's isolated himself he's a recluse um 3 34 in the morning first responders arrive at this house in connecticut where he had reportedly uh fucking locked himself in there for nine days um what the fuck and died of smoke inhalation with like vodka and whippets around him so you know that's the story of how tony died which is like kind of feels like a um a vision like a, a window into a larger problem of this like you know idealistic tech scene and everything and i don't know a huge amount about burning man i've like heard fucking people go to it i was involved in like uh idealistic raves a long time ago when i was idealistic and 16 um and there's certainly no shortage of fuckwits uh who go there and you know, <laughs> love. man i yeah. remember going to one of those fucking events um with a buddy uh long time fan of the pot and uh we were sitting in this teepee and there was this fucking, like, hippie chick with her son, her, like, four-year-old son or whatever, just doing a big bong, eh? Like, just ripping a fucking cone and then talking about, like, free love. And I just remember looking over at it just like, this is so degenerate. Sorry, that's an aside. No, um, that's, anyway. that's not an aside, dude. That's an important thing that we should spend some time on. Yeah. I, that is, that's fucking mental, dude. When people bring yeah. their children into those types of environments, that boggles the mind. Like, mm. like I am, I think that parents should most of the time uh, do drugs as freely as they did prior to having children. Like, as long as you're still a responsible parent and, like, you don't mm. expose your child to, like, weird environments that are going to, like, fuck up their upbringing. But... Yeah, taking your kid to a rave and just ripping bongs in front of him at the age of four? No. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Well, yeah, it's not... 
uh okay at all really yeah it's it's, but, fuck, I mean, it's high powered degeneracy yeah like, yeah but i know yeah. exactly the sort of person you mean dude like yeah a lot of people in in aussie bring their kids to like splendor in the grass and shit and it's like dude you're like oh you're on acid wearing all linen with like your eight-year-old hair in a crowd of twenty thousand guys who are just all just charging like screaming yeah. and like <laughs> just salivating over like all of the women around wearing like no clothes and it's just like a frenetic hellscape that like a kid shouldn't <laughs> be exposed to you know it's like yeah man it's like mild trench warfare yeah 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 uh, this is peak animalism eh? it's yeah, so it is. fucking gross it's um yeah idealism is is scary man like when, when people get deep into ideology and they think that there's like you know this um yeah when people get deep into ideology and start to lose touch with sort of basic etiquette um it's pretty scary especially when you're armed with like a billion dollars you know and that's kind of the moment where it gets real fucking weird in mm. my mind. Like, this is a tragic story. It's sad that Tony died. Um, it's sad that he had surrounded himself with yes men uh, that had enabled him to lock himself away for so long and take whippets and die of fucking smoke inhalation. That's something that doesn't need to happen, um, you know, at all. Mm. Like, that's so avoidable. But It's really interesting. Like, I... I realized about like two minutes into this segment that I had actually like read his book, Delivering Happiness. Um, oh, way. Yeah, which is just about like basically his, pretty much about his life. I think the book came out in like 2010 or something like that. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it was about like the way he got to start in business and just his philosophy in terms of how he was running things. And like, it's, it's really sad because the the insight that I got from his book was that he was like a really like optimistic, ambitious, driven, pretty well-rounded person. But like, yeah, he clearly has had for the entire time some some darker, uh, deeper layer to him that I feel he must have had to suppress for a really long time. And mm. like, and I think it sounds like what he's gone through more recently, leading up and up to his tragic death, is almost like a, a midlife crisis like and i think a lot of dudes when they get older they start to realize that they've been suppressing their true selves for a really long time and that it's time for them to just say fuck it and explore it and yeah. sometimes like your true self shouldn't really be explored so freely if you know what i mean like there's a reason you've been suppressing it that long and it seems like he was a destructive dude well there's a lot of bogus out there right and, and like the problem is, is that when you're hyper successful battling predominant sort of like entrenched narratives, um, that a lot of tech bros are, you know, because that's sort of the thing, like people will never want someone and stranger in their house. Like, how could you ever make an app that'll let strangers come into your house? And like, that has obviously turned into Airbnb and like, there's a lot of, you have to already challenge the narrative mm. of everything. And, and like, I can imagine that translating over to like, well, they say that, you know, doing nangs 24 seven is bad, but maybe it's not. Um, 
I, I, I can kind of get how you can delude yourself, but you know, being grounded in reality, um, and understanding limits, you're right. It's so important because yeah, there is a lot of people that probably suppress themselves and then they have those weird midlife crises that will either end up like, uh, fucking Lester Burnham from, you know, American beauty in the sense that it's maybe a good thing uh, without the pedophilia. Well, you know, debatable pedophilia. She was 18, I think, but still, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to yeah. wait on that. That's anyway. what this podcast is about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm talking about transformation, people. I'm talking yeah, about of lifting course. weights and smoking weed. Good for yeah. you for doing that. Yeah, exactly. Pedophile enabler. <laughs> Cancelled. <laughs> Cancelled from the nothing that I do. Yeah. Get him yeah. out of his incel room. You're never um, getting another film contract again, Damon. Yeah. You Maybe. won't work in the town of Christchurch as long <laughs> as you live. Yeah, what a great um, place to be cancelled from. There's literally nothing you can do here to get cancelled, I swear to God, you know. Oh, hey, uh, I actually um, found myself in a situation on Friday where I was, like, um, having a studio session with a friend of mine who, and we were working on some music and then um, another guy who we share the same studio with uh, just turned up, like, by coincidence at the same time with, like, three other dudes and, like, two guys from Christchurch who were, like, both... Word. Just like a little bit younger than me i guess people between like yeah. the age of like i don't know 24 and 28 and um it was like really interesting just like chilling there having a beer with these two guys who i'd never met before but who gave off like just extremely distinct christchurch vibes um and like we were just sitting around just yeah making tunes and talking shit and i was just like oh my god like have i been transported is this some sort that's, of like out of body experience and I'm actually in Christchurch, not Brisbane? That's so fucking funny. Yeah, it was funny. And um there's a there's a a soul, I think, or a, a heaviness or a presence that people from Christchurch carry with them. Yeah. A weird industrial darkness. Yes. Like... I completely that's it, dude. <laughs> and like a, a weird uh, I don't wanna say like worldliness but everyone from Christchurch seems like they've seen some shit mm. and like they've kind of been around the block and you don't need to like explain things to them because they're kind of like yeah I get this shit man you know I know yeah. how it be yeah 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 mm. anyway that's cool insight yeah shout out um, Christchurch <laughs> anyway midlife crises can go either way is what I'm what I was essentially saying is mm. that they, they can go down the path of like there's a lot of 40 or 50 year olds that probably you know followed some very set line and now they're exploring and trying to break out of the mold that they've been in for most of their life which is fair enough and then there's like already being a fucking out there character and doubling down you know like yeah exactly you know he didn't go full charlie sheen but man like fucking that sounds like a dark road that he was going down already mm -hmm. see this um, is this exact conversation is the reason that I've always been really hesitant to try DMT and because like obviously I'm a long way off having a midlife crisis but I'm a pretty like unusual dude I think by a lot of people's standards and like I understand that I have like a lot of I don't know a lot of like flaws and that I like think in a weird way I have like a strange psychology to me um and that 
despite all of the great things people say about DMT, like, oh, it changed my life, man, like, everything's so much cooler once you've smoked DMT, blah, 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 like, I understand yeah. things a lot better, like, I feel like it's maybe the edge, and, like, well, a threshold, and once you cross it, like, you can go one of two ways, and, like, mm. I haven't actually heard people tell me about negative experiences as a result of smoking DMT, but I, um, I worry, I, I wonder if, um, if that would be my my Tony moment. Yeah, well, you got to be careful with yourself, eh? And, like, mm. sometimes you should ask yourself, do you fundamentally want to change? You know, like, life-changing experiences aren't something to joke about when you've already kind of got yourself figured out to a degree. Um, That's a very good I'm point, actually. Running, yeah, man. Running, running experiments on yourself is, I think, a good, healthy thing to do. Change diets, try fasting, um, you know, like see what it's like to sort of push yourself to the ex uh, extreme, do a marathon, that sort of thing. Mm. But, um, you know, locking yourself away and yeah, I, no one needs to tell you that locking yourself away and inhaling nangs and being surrounded by candles uh, while drinking vodka for nine days is a good idea. Um, also, I should probably fact check that. But basically, that's how he essentially died was within that sort of, uh, you know, environment. Mm. Um, yeah, not ideal. Anyway. Sad. Poor guy. Yeah, yeah I feel bad for sucks. him in a lot of ways because he sounds like a really interesting character. But mm. he, he was. too many fall to the... It's just like what we've talked about in previous episodes as well. Like those ideological um, pockets of society are fucking frequented by predators, man. Like everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, and the fact that he had died in a situation of a lot of people just kind of like enabling him, like, uh, you know, new um new sort of like pushers it's not a heroin den it's not a crack den it's just like a fucking tech utopian den where everyone's just sort of like there and talking the same shit sharing the same stuff yeah yeah like trick. you're you're exper you're trading um like validation for well validation for validation really like mm -hmm. th those sorts of pushes are like trading you um they're like unconditional support in exchange for like you supporting their narcissism um yeah. you get into these like realms where people from all walks of life have converged on the same sort of like experimental or ideological vector and are just like mm. kind of colliding in this like weird new space um and everybody wants something out of it um some people just i think go there with better intentions than the others and they're typically the ones that get fucked yeah but Hmm. So that might be an okay moment to transition to um, something that I was reading about um, in the lead up to recording this morning. Um, I left my like preparation pr pretty last minute, but um, it's all good. I um, <laughs> I the guilt way. Yeah, I read about this like self-proclaimed religion, which is like largely a cult called realism, um, mm. and it's named after this um this french guy named um claude vaudillon who basically declared himself like a prophet and uh started this cult slash religion and called himself rail after israel um and essentially oh, okay. so how's it spelt uh so okay. realism <laughs> is spelt um r-a-e-l-i-s-m yeah. uh, but the e has like that funky two dots above it um oh, I don't, yeah. i'm not yeah. sure what that's called like an accent of some sort yeah. um so like 
essentially this is a pretty like classic cult story um but this guy man this guy claude or rail is an absolutely cooked unit and there's <laughs> a real like it's really interesting because there's no evidence whatsoever that he has done anything nefarious to anybody involved in this cult and like a lot of the values that they practice are actually really like positive and can be found in a lot of other like legitimate religions um the only problem is that like it's based on lies but mm. the members all seem to be very happy um so essentially like this guy grew up in france i think he was born in 1946 and he um moved to paris in his early 20s and like weirdly became a really successful singer and released like yeah a, a, like a multitude of like hit singles that were really popular in france and he basically could have had like a really successful musical career um he then started like um self-publishing this magazine that was themed around like race cars <laughs> i guess yeah. in like the late 60s in france like race car magazines were a product that someone wanted um and then actually became like a test driver and race car driver himself and then his sort of career was cut short because they like changed the law in france to uh stop speeding on highways apparently like it used to just be like the autobahn you could just go at 300 kilometers an hour in some state-of-the-art porsche and <laughs> my one would stop you <laughs> so i guess yeah. that's what he was doing and then was like oh this sucks now i have to drive race cars at a normal speed what's the fun in that um which you know i understand i don't like driving fast cars myself but um i i understand mm. like the addiction um yeah neither yeah yeah so essentially um it's, it seems to have come really out of the blue the way he started doing all this. So, like, post-race car career, he um, yeah. pretty much decided that he would start telling this tale. Um, and it's unclear whether or not he had some sort of, like, um, psychotic or schizophrenic delusion or if he just consciously fabricated the entire thing. But he basically said that he was um, he was hiking in the mountains and then he had an encounter with um this this alien species um called the uh elohim i might be pronouncing that incorrectly spelt e-l-o-h-i-m um and that they took them aboard their craft and took them to their home planet uh and over six days explained to him the true meaning of the bible and then like <laughs> yeah took him back to the mountain and basically like placed the responsibility upon him to go and like spread their truth to humanity so he went back to paris um and started just giving out flyers and doing talks and like small cafes and clubs and shit to just like any tripper who would fucking listen and somehow must have been charismatic enough to like build a small following and um essentially his his whole vibe or his whole story was that 25,000 years ago the Elohim um came to earth and started like cloning humans using like biotechnology and like DNA sequencing or some bullshit and that like they created Adam and Eve as like the first artificial humans and then gave rise to the rest of the population um and that the way to I guess for humans to live like their 
best life was to reach immortality through like the cloning of people who die but that only the most like moral and intelligent species would be cloned by these aliens or be allowed to like uh have their their genes passed on in sort of like a technological darwinism yeah yeah and so pretty much this guy started gathering followers and he first made um like a smaller organization i'm just going to double check the name of it called the movement for the welcoming of the elohim creators of humanity (laughs) um and they started publishing like a newsletter and holding events and stuff to um raise money for the self-publication of old mate of uh, rail's first book which was called um the book that tells the truth which is like basically his like bible um and which is like regarded even today for uh, amongst followers of this religion as what they just call the book so it's like their like foundational text um yeah so they eventually had like a bit of a feud from within this group and then that's when he he split off and founded the church of realism and it started to to spread like weirdly quickly and they eventually moved the headquarters of the church to quebec in canada and then launched missions to like japan africa australia and other parts of the world um they bought like a whole swath of land in quebec and founded the church of uf i mean sorry the museum of ufoology which they were using um, primarily as a way to make profit for what is like their their grand project as a religion which is uh this embassy that they want to construct which includes a landing uh a landing area for this craft that will eventually be flown back to earth by these aliens to like um revisit earth and eventually like deliver truth to mankind (laughs) and so this quote like embassy is um is an interesting sort of concept for them because these um people that belong to this religion claim to be sort of adhering to a set of principles which allegedly um represent mm, what's the word represent the way that humans should live in the in the eyes of this alien species and it includes like extreme levels of like femininity um like open-mindedness when it comes to sexuality like in terms of your like um in terms of exactly in terms of your sexual preferences and like your um ability to experiment um they also preach like compassion and love love and understanding and they like don't discriminate between like race gender appearance whatever else um yeah and basically like this guy's really into what he called sensual meditation where oh jesus <laughs> like these are these guys they all um meditate with the uh the ultimate goal of experiencing a cosmic orgasm <laughs> which is um <laughs> like some sort of like orgasmic trance like state which um represents like a transmission of your like dna sequence like through the cosmos back to the arrow him um, that's and, so <laughs> dank, man. <laughs> no, bro. And, and it was like, <laughs> um, and it represents like this, like uh, the nature of like infinity or like a cyclical um, like beauty in, in nature that like can only be achieved by like union Jesus. with your like alien masters. And um, yeah, <laughs> like like with most good cults, they have like a uh, a hierarchical structure. So you have to like achieve certain 
um, certain levels to be able to like move up and then you get given like more authority and like the ability to like control <laughs> the people below you. The peons, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, they they do these weird things called like, I think I call them transmission meditation that they're ceremonies where they like, they hold each other's heads. And so like the the person of like the higher rank will like hold the head of the other person and apparently transmit their DNA sequence to them. Um, so, <laughs> and they're, they're really into the idea of like, what they call a uh, fuck i can't i can't actually remember what the terminology was that they use but basically they say that they're like a scientific religion and obviously yeah. like it's all just like nonsense it's not actually grounded in real science but um they're really into the idea of like their dna um and they started attempting to clone humans in 2001 um because i think fuck that. <laughs> So cool. Yeah. <laughs> the first the first lamb was apparently cloned in 1997. And then yeah. following that, they um started this organization called Clone Aid and yeah. Like they similar to like, you know, Hillsong, they take tithes and um membership fees and all that shit from their members who number in like the tens of thousands globally, so they have like a mm. huge revenue stream. And um in the same way that like David Icke just r pumps out heaps of books and sells them to his followers. So does this guy Rail. He's written like eight books over 20 years or something, which, you know, he can sell tens of thousands of copies of per drop. Um, yeah. So like started, they started like pouring money into this, this organization. Um, and it's like completely like untransparent. There's no fucking understanding of what they do or how they're trying yeah. to do what they do. But in 2003, they, um, claimed to have cloned the first like uh the first child and they said that they basically artificially created a human called eve which was like this baby girl um mm. and that they were raising a baby and they like published this i mean they made this public information to the media and um basically like presented this baby to the world but they didn't provide like evidence or allow themselves to be scrutinized so the scientific community kind of quickly shunned them and were like oh these guys are like a fucking load of shit but then they just kept up the hustle so like <laughs> they just kept on going around the world and being like yeah we've cloned someone and just like calling press conferences and like presenting babies like as a result of this like publicity stunt they recruited five thousand new members of people who were just like yeah sick like i'm, I'm, I'm down to be cloned or whatever <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> and um so like the what i yeah. initially thought was the darkest aspect of this thing is that they have this um so they have this segment of the religion uh called the order of angels which is exclusively women and they are being trained and groomed to become the concubines for this alien race when they come to earth so the idea is that these women once the embassy has been built will just be will live only inside the embassy and that's where Raoul, who is the leader of the church and obviously the only person worthy enough to make um, physical contact with the um the alien leaders will live in the embassy in preparation with all of these women so that they can like appropriately welcome the aliens when they arrive um and obviously oh, because yeah the, re the religion practices like you know ideas of like open sexuality and like experimentation and all this shit basically it's yeah. just like a fucking orgy 
and <laughs> these women like swear to like protect rail with their lives and to like use their bodies to protect him and all of this like dark shit and they because he's so into the idea of like genetic perfection and stuff um he also like champions the the idea of using like technology to like enhance your beauty so he like encourages these women to have like plastic surgeries and shit but under the guise of like open tolerance and feminism and so like this religion is really active in advocating for like social issues and like women's issues so they will like attend protests saying like free the nipple or like you know abortions are good or um basically anything that like pushes women closer towards what he sees as like this pure state of fuckability um, <laughs> and like yeah so among the order of angels they have like different rungs or different stages you can be at as well and yeah essentially like rail himself uh relegates the woman to like the lower rungs once they become too ugly or too old and then once they get relegated they have to then like go and find and train new ones to bring in and like then put through the things so it's like this this um self-replenishing harem of like brainwashed women how um, old before they're like cast into the um redundant stable I, I think it's just um just up to interpretation i guess it depends on how well they age or whatever uh, you could be like a really rough 30 and he'd be like oh later but you could also probably be like, be like 48 and he's like yeah you're still going well like you know um yeah so these guys are still saving to build their embassy um to this day and i i think if i remember correctly they have like a 40 million dollar fund at the moment um whoa like crazy um yeah. it's also interesting to note though that rail personally takes uh one percent of all money that goes to the church um yeah. so obviously there's a bit of a um a brian houston vibe happening here as well because he just lives yeah. in luxury and has a hobby of still just racing cars so like in the 90s he um entered in like the montreal grand prix right. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like he's this fucking i'll show you an image of this guy man i'll send him um right now <laughs> like and just imagine this dude racing like a formula one car or some shit like oh, rocking up to the racetrack with all of these other dudes who are like serious sponsored car people and then just like having to interact with this guy man wait i'll send you the link in the chat um my body's so ready and obviously um for the listeners i'll i'll definitely link some shots of this dude and some information about this cult um, <laughs> so this guy dresses like he's in like a oh. white like futuristic jumpsuit um yeah and like sometimes wears aviators and he's balding on the top but um still grows his hair long so he can tie it up in a top knot just above his bald spot i was gonna say i've never seen the man bun yeah um in such an innovative uh <laughs> oh my god so like there and he wears high heels he's a cross dresser yeah so he he's like into um experimentation and stuff as well like i think he has said that they like encourage actually cross-dressing in the religion um yeah and i think it's like the only religion in the world where there is a transgender gay bishop <laughs> um yeah and they also encourage like homosexual experimentation as well so this dude just like basically fucks anybody i guess this um, dude is getting fucked 
all the time. Oh, how, all the time. How Every day. Dark is it though, man? Just looking at his <laughs> face, and you're like, Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ, this guy is if loose. This- doesn't turn you off like every fetish then i don't know what will uh, i'm like oh dude yeah. um, so gross so yeah we were talking about his sort of like <laughs> his opulent lifestyle briefly um yeah so he's a bit of a jet setter because he like cruises around the world giving seminars in different countries to like his followers unusually they have a really strong following in south korea and japan <laughs> where he Dope. can like regularly give talks to like hundreds or thousands of people yeah he's got a bit of like a, a questionable history as well um i mean as you can fucking imagine <laughs> but uh there was an episode where he um went to south korea and married like a 16 year old follower yeah and that was like a, how old was he oh, very old oh, you know <laughs> yeah. yeah too old to be marrying a 16 year old i suppose yeah. And that was like his second of uh, th- three wives who he's married throughout his, his years. So basically with this embassy that they're saving up to build, which is where they're going to house the Order of the Angels, who are those um, the consorts who I was telling you about. Yeah. Um, he hit up the Israeli government and was like, hey, can we build this embassy on your land? Um, and eventually ended up in like high level talks with the Israeli government. Um, but then they i guess realized how fucking cooked he was yeah and they were like no go away and then he wanted to obviously build it in israel because of its like importance in in the bible um and he also has this idea that the embassy should be built on like on neutral land so because israel i guess is a disputed religious land that was sort of like viewed as neutral because it's i guess the convergence of so many ancient religions Mm. um so because they got rejected by the israeli government he's like oh well um a country bordering israel will do so he started talking to the um egyptian lebanese jordanian and syrian governments as well (laughs) and they're like hey hits them all up like want to build this fucking abomination sex cult (laughs) temple on your land is that cool and they're all like nah so then decided hawaii would be a good option and i think that's where they're at at the moment um oh i hope they come here we've got like prime sections for them yeah i um as you can imagine i upon reading all of this i was pretty into the idea of meeting some of them so i um checked out what their presence in Australia is like, um, because as I mentioned, they had like a, a mission to Australia in the past. And apparently at their at their peak, they had like 300 Australian members, but it's now dwindled down to about 150. Um, and it, it's a pretty loose, like I don't think they're very well organized or um, cohesive. But I found this yeah. Vice article about this artist in Brisbane, which was published in 2018, so still pretty recently, um, who is, a, a f- full-time realist um and actually has like a lot of public art in brisbane so like a lot oh, of sc- a lot of sculptures that like i recognized from the photos in this article mm. from having lived here and he actually like incorporates themes of realism like in his public art which is quite interesting so i might like is it good no it's ugly as fuck <laughs> in my opinion but like most public yeah. art is and i think so 
I'm, I might try and reach out to him and see if he um, can take me to a little realist um, meditation sesh or something. Yeah, it'd be cool to get one of these people like chatting on the pod because, you know, yeah. like, that's all pretty gnarly uh what you said but yeah fuck man i'll, I'll hear his his story um worth noting that old school cloud uh kind of has like a bit of a jesus vibe going on as well if you look oh, at his fully, IMDb, yeah. like yeah he has that full like uh middle eastern style sort of tan with the long hair and and everything and yeah, yeah. very uh messianistic <laughs> i don't know i don't know what the yeah. right term is yeah but, i um, get what you're saying though yeah not um, so much now but Fuck, that is wild, eh? Yeah. Um, but as I was saying, though, there's actually no evidence of any wrongdoings by anybody involved with this cult or church. Um, so, like, Good on them, man. Yeah, yeah, so apparently they've been historically super transparent with like the press and even academics um, who mm. have wanted to study them and have like welcomed people to their seminars Um and they've spoken to both current and former members of the church about their practices and what goes on and about Rail, um, the leader. And there's no allegations or anything of wrongdoing, uh, which is really interesting because like you yeah. look at him and you're like, this guy's clearly a predator. And based on the description that I just gave, you're like, oh, of course, he's like grooming and raping women, basically. It's like psychologically raping people. But like... <laughs> But yeah, he's not. Apparently. Hey, but maybe not, right? Like, like, and I hope that he's not, and I hope that um, everybody's in there consensually and having a good time. Because if they are, good on them. Um, you know, coming up in a, a non-traditional career bonus pod episode, like we can try and get one of them on, um, as opposed to going to university. You know, there's all sorts of other options out there. But <laughs> yeah. like. Fuck, man, that is... If no one gets hurt, it, this is, like, the important caveat. Eh? If everybody's consensual, no one's getting hurt, then fuck yeah. Mm. Like, what a sicko. That's such and a I mean, wild story. You know, that's, yeah. like, idealism where I look at it and I think, all right, that's pretty fucking dope, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I hope the... they did clone someone as well. That's fucking cool if they pulled that off. Um, I'm sure they... Well, I don't know, you know, but... <laughs> <laughs> the, um... There are a lot of like obviously a lot of photos online of members of the church and just like the um the outfits and costumes that they wear and they just look like space cadets hey um <laughs> but i mean that comes as no surprise <laughs> but yeah, yeah yeah but a lot of what these guys uh are into is pretty much burning man yeah it's not yeah, it's, yeah it's just thinking that eh? yeah. like yeah yeah i and, mean it, what's the difference right like yeah, and you know. a lot of people have said that Burning Man is actually very religious in terms of like the sort of ritual nature of it because you, the, the burning of the huge effigy, um, like the the congregation of people from different parts of the world and backgrounds similar to um, the pilgrimage to the Hajj in, in Islam. Um, oh, yeah. Like in Islam, you know, they all um, walk in circles around, I'm going to sound really... Um, uh, naive and insensitive now because I can't remember the name of it, but you know the like enormous cube-shaped black rock in Mecca. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. Um, um, but yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you're talking. You about. know, they, they all all gather, um, walk around that, touch it, and like Burning Man, everybody comes and dances in front of a huge Burning Man in the desert. 
um, like it's not that different. So yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's realism, and um, well, that is Claude Vaudillon. I completely agree with you on that point. That that's a a very worthy. Um, what is it? What is it when you like describe one thing and an analogy? Fucking comparison. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like the, the comparison. It's, it's a great comparison between the two, right? Because on the one hand, people will look at realism. I'm sure they'll just sort of like laugh and joke, and also like shame it for being a um, you know a predatory uh, religion or whatever. Mm, yeah, or, oh, it's a cult. But men, fucking those like burning like burning men and a lot of those other movements are so culty and i think oh, they're yeah, fully. way more nefarious like you know just go to one and you'll see the same thing there's so many fucking creeps there that will do whatever it say whatever they fucking can to try and get into some like you know idealistic um probably lost and confused uh you know naive 16 year old girl yeah Yeah, 16 year old girl or Um, or fucking by uh by guy some fucking dude right yeah yeah fully yeah like there's so much predatory behavior there so fuck fuck burning man i'm going to the next realism concert plus their followers (laughs) are hot i've been looking at photos of it like all good you know well yeah i i think it's because they're so selective i think they um refuse entry to women that they deem uh, unattractive all right <laughs> um, and <laughs> it's really weird because only 30 percent of the total members are women as well so like yeah. their orgies must be like pretty whack yeah actually yeah, i am i mean off, pretty pretty like... whack if you're a straight guy and don't like sharing i guess but um <laughs> anyway <laughs> yeah yeah but no, yeah, I, I definitely fucking understand, like, um, the the whole, uh, how sacred so many people seem to put, like, make out Burning Man to be as mm-hmm. this um, ultimate peak idealistic society. And in reality, it's just a fucking drug-fueled uh, fuckfest for, you know, anyone between a predator and just someone who's trying to blow off steam. I, I don't know and this for a fact either, but... I imagine Burning Man must be, like, so ecologically destructive as well. Like, imagine the the waste and the litter and the fucking pollution that gets left behind every year at Burning Man. Like, I mean, I guess maybe they have, like, volunteer cleanup crews and shit, but it's just, like, an absolute uh, blemish on the face of the earth, huh. eh? The collective digestion of that much alcohol, MDMA, acid, coke, and everything in and of itself, like within a hot fucking desert, we yeah. release noxious gas. You know, like that, <laughs> that in itself is so fucking polluting. Mm. Um, and if it's not coming out as like, you know, like gross fucking combustion, it's coming out as gross fucking ideas that just <laughs> spew into the fucking Twitter sphere after every Burning Man. We all get a little bit worse off after every single one. Eh? Yeah, I think you're probably right. They don't realize what they do. Yeah. I think, um, I think Elon went though, right? Burning Man, hey? Ray Dalio uh, went, man. There's a picture oh, of Ray Dalio in a fucking, like, weird top hat, like, all 60s out, um, you know, looking like a fucking Hmong. Is that a <laughs> That's so term? good. Yeah. A Hmong? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. It just sounds small, round, fun. green bean. But yeah, anyway, like you know, <laughs> like a fuckwit. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But you know, good on him. I mean, I say all this, and I'd like probably go if I was in the hood. I wouldn't expressly like go out of my way, but if I happened upon it, 
um, I'm sure I'd go through and drink some beers and be miserable. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I probably would too. Um, my, despite everything I've said about Burning Man, the thing that deters me the most from the idea of it is what I imagine the music to be like. Like, because yeah. I fucking hate Psytrance, man. Or just like, you know, tribal dance music. Um, drum and yeah. bass, I, can't, I don't really have time for. Um, and I'm ho- I hope I'm wrong and there is more diversity in terms of the music there, but that's kind of the vibe I get. Yeah. Well, my cousin um, pretty much like had said that's largely what it is. He, he went last year uh and was telling me about like running into all these um like tech people there from yeah, Sandra right. yeah. who had come with like notebooks and were trying to find themselves and like, like, <laughs> dropping acid. And he was like he was there just being like, Yeah bro, like I was just trying to have a good time. You know, like fucking dancing, going to like a couple bars and stuff and apparently they have like little bar setups and shit all over the show. And he's just trying to, you know, be a good canadian and have a few beers and chat to people yeah um on on whatever he was taking and yeah then he's like holy fuck what's there like trying to write down their deep and meaningful thoughts on you know the universe and find themselves and but at the same time like all of them were really lost and miserable um mm. and just getting fucked up on drugs so yeah i <laughs> i'm put off by it as well i hate that fucking music i can't stand it man and like i this is going back to like the fucking tony story um you know and i'm i don't think i've caught on to anything here that's fucking insightful or whatever but drugs are like a good time and booze is a good time and everything like that but it's destructive and degenerate and like pretending it's anything else is never gonna get you fucking anywhere come on like mm. the fucking religions figured that out back in like the 2000 yeah exactly right like use it Wait, for it ritual purposes yeah um bro the fucking greeks figured that out back absolutely like, in- 2000 bc you yeah. know like uh what's his name epicurus who um thought that life's ultimate pleasure i uh, sorry life's ultimate meaning was um you know the pursuit of pleasure but he like barely drank wine he normally drank water and instead preferred the company of people um and rarely sort of indulged himself in in uh, materialistic pleasure it's been known for fucking ages and pretending it's not like you know it's like oh take drugs and find yourself with side trance and tribal music like no you're gonna get taken advantage of (laughs) (laughs) you are it's just Uh, gross man yeah take your drugs have a good time but don't (laughs) let's not pretend that it's gonna fucking well do what you want don't listen to me actually maybe you will find yourself but i'm not every time i take drugs or whatever or you know go fucking party um it's not for any other reason than just kind of like blowing off steam yeah well i think um i think you find parts of yourself right like and i think that's maybe a more balanced way to view it i don't think it's quite binary i think it's like yeah like taking drugs will give you some insights into some things um yeah sometimes <laughs> but it's yeah. yeah don't go to burning man and just like fucking drop four tabs of acid and get into the thick of it and expect to wake up the next day with like the next facebook in your head yeah or like a complete person you know or mm-hmm. you know that you've suddenly solved all these things wrong mm. with you because uh, there's no such com- thing as a complete person man yeah man yeah i think well, like get- we're all yeah. marketed the idea of a complete person and like it's all fucking spin like everybody's broken and imperfect and scared in some way everyone's trying to still figure it out no one fucking knows what they're doing um yeah like and i I think actually big tech is like largely to blame for this idea that there is like such thing as like a a genius guru 
like the way that people talk about i don't know like steve jobs or whatever was just like this sort of like infallible genius um mm. who was just like a perfectly efficient like machine like person who was like you know what i'm saying they're completely I know exactly what you're saying glamorized and, like, I, and and um, yeah. retroactively made perfect i love that you say that because i that's something that i've fucking agree with through and through and through i think it's all survivorship bias man like steve jobs was lucky to have happened across um you know the next big breakthrough and was there at the right time mm. but could another person done it? Probably. They probably fucking would have. I mean, not dominate the market so much. Steve Jobs could just as easily have become the next rail. <laughs> like if you fucking look <laughs> at him and look at how he behaved and shit, like he was fucking nuts. Um, yeah, man. But, yeah, hmm. yeah. And there, there's definitely no such thing as genius. Like you know, I I frequently am suspicious of the notion that there's even a quantifiable measure of intelligence. I I don't think that that even exists within with any fucking you know frame that you can possibly measure because mm. it's just it's too uh you know it's it's impossible it's just the environment's too big and too complex yeah to it's even too contingent on externalities um yeah i think yeah in, intelligence is largely what you do um in my opinion you know like yeah um anyone can go in go and work on a skill repeatedly and read all of the knowledge in the world on a particular subject and that's all you need to do you know what? just commit yourself to it and that's it yeah man never fucking uh, like overestimate uh, sorry underestimate luck as a factor within anybody's life you know and their mm -hmm. ability to like it's so fucking discounted and yet so important and when you understand that more than a lot of these figures are probably seem a lot less intelligent than they actually are and they probably are a lot less intelligent. The only thing that I like deeply respect Ray Dalio for um, is almost every single piece that he writes, he has a strong caveat where he will verbatim say like, I am a dumb shit and I don't know anywhere near as much as I should about anything. Mm -hmm. Here are my thoughts. Yeah. And like, you know, that's what he literally says. Like uh, mm -hmm. on like most of his pieces. It's so fucking important. Because, um, you know, these people are fucking wrong a lot of the time. They're not yeah, absolutely. like, yeah, they might um, know a lot about one or two things, but you know, a lot of the time it's just sheer fucking luck, man. I, um, what's the name? Do you remember the name of the, um, former Google CEO? Like not the current one, but the last one. So Sergey Brin, uh, Larry Page and Eric Schmidt. Eric, Eric Schmidt was like a Eric Schmidt. on CEO, I think, though. Yeah, so I recently listened to um, the Lex Friedman podcast with Eric Schmidt. Um, and what you said about people being wrong the majority of the time is totally true, man. Like, he was saying yeah. that at Google, they have like a 70-20-10 principle. So 10% of their budget goes to basically coming up with ideas and fucking them up. Like, it's just pure experimentation. 10% yeah. of Google's budget, which is so much fucking money, is dedicated to just allowing people to come up with ideas, give them a go, and see what happens. And, yeah. like, it enough of them are eventually successful that it's profitable for them in the long term. But you need to be wrong about so many things before you can be right about something. And mm. let's fucking end the podcast on that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, one last addition to that. Yes. Jim Keller, uh, who, um, 
I don't, I don't know how many people will know who he is, but he essentially is like one of the main people behind microprocessors and why we have computers that are as good as they are today. Mm-hmm. Was on the Lex Friedman podcast. It's a really good uh, podcast. I'd highly recommend everyone to check it out. Stated that what he does is no more complex than when he was working in a factory um, back when he was at college. And that the complexity that you deal with in just boxing stuff, just putting shit into boxes, can be, like, enormous. So, you know, think about that. It's just fucking, (laughs) no matter what you do, it's, yeah, I don't know, complex. And a lot of people have the intelligence to fucking do everything. So, wrapping it up. All right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Life is for a living. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. This was episode 26. Uh, Like we said at the start of this episode, jump on Patreon if you want to uh, drop us some coin in exchange for a bonus episode. And please hit us up if you have suggestions for uh, a topic that that bonus episode could explore. And we might even, um, you know, do multiples. So share the podcast with your friends and your mum because mums love our podcast. Uh, like and subscribe all that shit hit us up on social media if you want to we love it we love some banter um even if you're threatening to physically hurt us like happened happened recently uh but shout out to you and go fuck yourself Um, so yeah let's call it Uh, all right peace out peace take it easy Thank you.